You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. everyone. Welcome to episode number 53 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Deborah King and am the Elder Care Coordinator here at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. I help clients and their families navigate the aging journey. Today's show is about how to have the conversation with a loved one that he or she may need some additional help. Joining me for the discussion is Elizabeth Moth. Elizabeth is a nurse and the chief care officer at Caregivers by Whole Care. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Deborah. Great to talk to you today. Glad to have you. So tell me, when is the right time to have the conversation? Well, as you know, that could be different for different people. And depending on you know, the disease process that's going on with an individual, it could depend on that as well. But what we like to look for are, you know, sort of red flags in the homes or in conversations with our loved ones so that, you know, something may not just add up correctly. And what are some of those red flags? The red flags could be that you're hearing the same story over and over, or there's unopened mail, that there's bill collectors calling, that there's neighbors calling you saying, I'm concerned. And I believe that's the reactive uh, period of time. But there are more proactive ways of doing this. And so I am a proactive person. And, you know, with statistics like 70% of people who will live to be the age 65 will require some form of long-term care assistance. So with that said, I think it's imperative that as adult children, when our parents are around 60, 65, 70, we can be proactive and start having these conversations about, okay, So when this happens, what do you want? When this happens, what would you like? Who's going to be your backup in these various situations? And I think we can be more proactive that way. Just like you all, we want to help families plan and put things in place so that we can help prevent the crisis. Those are good ideas, um, but how many people actually want to have that conversation? And how do you start that with your healthy 65 or 70-year-old who's still going to the gym and driving and taking the RV across country? Well, I think that it just has to start with a just a very casual conversation of, you know, Mom, I have friends who have moms who are aging and need help and here's what I'm hearing from them what do you want so I do know there is data out there as well that determines 
who the people are that we are going to have those conversations with. And unfortunately, our spouse and our children are the two people we're not going to have those conversations with. (laughs) And it's a big number of people who are not going to. And the reason why is because one denial, trust, privacy issues, family living at a distance and so forth. Um, So however we can, if we're having those conversations with friends, maybe the adult children are, could talk to the friends of our parents and our loved ones. And so, you know, I think that more and more, and as y'all know as well, there's only four kinds of people those who are caregivers, those who have been caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those of us who will need caregiving. So if we're having, if this conversation becomes a normal, regular part of our day-to-day life with people, I think it will help change the dynamic of that. Right. And, And when you listen to people who tell you, I'm not ever going to go to the nursing home, then having these conversations about what care looks like in the home is probably even more important. It is. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you don't want to go to the nursing home, and we all know that those numbers of people who are not going to go to the nursing home are even bigger now because of the pandemic, but those numbers were already 90% of people were already at home. And most people think everybody's in a nursing home or assisted living, and it's just not the case. So, yes, putting the modifications in place and thinking ahead of, you know, what the safety issues are. Um, But back to who are we going to talk to as well? I mean, we we have trusted professionals. Y'all are trusted professionals. We have attorneys. We have CPAs. We have the bankers. All those people who we've had in our lives for long periods of time, um, insurance agents and so forth, that we are having those conversations with. And I I think that for the adult children, it's important for them to interject themselves into those conversations so that they can, again, normalize the conversation with the trusted advisor and the older adult. So, so that's interesting. Do these trusted advisors have those conversations? Well, I don't know that they, they're they hearing the conversations because we hear that. We hear them saying to us, oh, yeah, I can tell there's changes. And they're saying, you know, I don't want to go to a nursing home. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to go to a nursing home. Or, you know, my daughter Susie's concerned about me. I don't think she has reason to be concerned about me. Y'all probably hear some of that as well. Right, Um, right. So they do have a little little bit of that information or they see a drastic change or suddenly they're not able to come to the office any longer to meet with their CPA or attorney. And so those are, you know, changes in somebody's normal behavior and pattern um, to be concerned about. So I think it's important for us to educate the professionals who are those trusted advisors uh, for older adults. 
I think that's a good point. Um, and what I hear you saying is we need to bring this idea that as people live much longer and live much longer in a more healthy manner, at some point they're going to need care and we need to have a plan in place for that care Um so it doesn't catch us by surprise. So we know what we're going to do, the what ifs. Yes, that's a great question to ask. What if this? What if that? And not that it's going to create it. So many people are in denial. Uh (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) We had a family who wouldn't tap their long-term care insurance because they felt like that was putting uh, the end of their mom's life with this defined period of time, which was very interesting to me. So they used their, you know, their liquid assets, their liquid cash to pay for services. And they had long-term care insurance um, because of the fear. You know, we don't want mom to only live five more years. And that was a very eye-opening experience for me because it's not logical. And 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 we kind of tell our families the same thing. If you don't want to go to the nursing home, you need to pay for care today. You need to take care of yourself today where you're at, where you need the care to avoid that decline. Because if if you avoid the care you will continue to decline. You won't have the support services in place that you need. And so you may well have that fall or have that health issue or those nutrition issues, dehydration issues that put you right where you don't want to be. Exactly. That's Tim's uh, danger zone. Exactly. (laughs) Which which he's given us permission to use. And I've used that a lot to have that conversation. So it's imperative that, you know, we can put a little bit of support in place, have a family meeting, have this conversation. And it, it, what I say is it really does, it's compassion and action because it allows us to lift people up to remain as independent as possible for a little bit longer so they can stay home and they can be healthier. And then yes, ignoring the care only um, creates a higher risk. I like that term, compassionate action. Yes, compassion and action is what I talk about, yes. That's really good. So we've, we're bringing this to the forefront. Um, I see a lot, too, um, as people age, if they're still well, their friends or family members name may not be. And that can sometimes be an opportunity for that conversation. What do you think? Oh, I agree. completely agree that that is an opportunity for a conversation. And, you know, then they don't have to (laughs) self-identify. You know, (laughs) nobody wants to self-identify as needing help. Uh So uh when we can make it about a third party, I know your friend is having this struggle. What are your thoughts about having a conversation, you know, about what they want? Um, Friends are the number one person that we're going to talk to about these situations and what we don't and do want. Um, 
instead of our children. And maybe because, you know, in my situation, my kids are in Florida. And so they're not here. So I am thinking through at this stage of my life, who is it in my circle that I'm going to ask to be my advocate uh-huh. in many different levels? So, you know, and, and I'm talking to a girlfriend about that. So it, I am one of these people that I'm referring, to, you know, statistically <laughs> to. But I do think that, Children, you know, do have an opportunity to change the way they ask the questions or but back to, you know, talking about your friend or neighbors who you're concerned about. It's then the question becomes, okay, well, what do they want? And if you were in this situation, what would you want? And so then we can open up the dialogue to be about that person, even though they don't need help or they don't see themselves as needing help. Right, because that's what people struggle with in their older years is maintaining their independence, thinking they're more independent than what they may well be, and admitting that they might need help in some realm of their functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's also been, I read a book years ago called The X and Y of Buy, B-U-Y, And so the word help itself, men won't accept it at all, but they will accept assistance. Uh So I've, I've, I've talked through that with our team in the office, you know, don't use the word help when you're communicating with our, you know, men, clients or spouses, um, because that's just a foreign word, really. They're just resistant to it. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting all on its own that we, you know, humans, we will accept certain words that really do offer the same support um, or resist that word meaning the same thing. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I uh-huh. can see that. I can see that. I've had a lot of men who are take, who have taken care of their wives and, it's like the old, I can't give up. I've got to do this, um, even though it's harming both of them. And to get them to get that assistance that they need so that they can both maintain a quality of life, it, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm sure you all have this conversation as well about the caregiver of the family um, will their health will decline at a faster pace than the care receiver um, if they are overdoing things and not allowing people to assist them and support them in being that family caregiver. Yes. And so then what's going to happen to their spouse or the fr- the person they're caring for if something happens to them? Yes, we, we see that and say that a lot, mm-hmm. that, you know, you need to take care of yourself. Um, you need the respite care. You need the assistance. You need to get a break so that you can continue to do this. And again, so you can continue to stay where you're at and not have to move into a different level. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if the pandemic will change some of that because, you know, we've been hearing so 
much about putting the oxygen on ourselves in the last year. Uh-huh. And that's really what that is. It's, it's, you know, we have to help ourselves first in order to be available to help others. Um, so we'll see if it sort of shifts the paradigm in people. Do you think different generations, you know, the Gen X's and the Gen Y's and the millennials feel differently about it than the boomers and the silent generation? Um, about which part? About caring for themselves? About having the conversation about being willing to care for themselves or get help. I think it depends on the dynamic with the family. I have a client who's also a friend right now. So that's an interesting question because I've actually thought about her daughter is very active in providing the support and overseeing her care and communicating with me slash us as a company providing the care. And she is a 30 year old. So that would be a, Gen Y X. Right. Yeah. Somewhere in there. (laughs) I can't remember the age groups on each one of those. Um, And so she's taking charge and she is having the conversations with her mom. Her mom has been very uh, withholding and has been withheld from her friends as well. However, Um, but the daughter has interjected herself strongly So I don't know if it's a personality or a generational thing um, because we haven't dealt with that age group really in being caregivers of their parents because there's just not a lot of them. Again, we're living longer and we're living healthier. Um, And so this is a, you know, a 64 year old who is having a lot of problems that her daughter has had to step in. So we just don't, I haven't experienced that before. So I can't answer that question really. Well, I I I think it's coming. I think it's coming. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too, because, you know, they, again, they say if, if we live to 65, 70% of us will need care. Well, that says to me that right over the edge of 65 or right at 65, a lot of people will need care and we're still caring for the, you know, the 80 plus year olds. And that's typically when we see them come to us is at that age group. Mm-hmm. But, but that I, generation is different because yeah, the 65 year olds caring for the 80 year olds probably watch the 80 year olds care for their parents because we were in multi-generational family homes and everybody yeah. lived closer where the 30 year olds who are going to have to care for the 65 year olds probably didn't see that probably saw mom and dad going to work every day and somebody else taking care of everybody. Yes, I would agree with that. And then the other thing I was thinking of is the baby boomers. I'm on the tail end of the baby boomers. We've learned to take care of ourselves as far as, you know, hiring housekeepers, getting massages, Uh you know, more of that self-care thing. So I, and I think it's culture as well. How were we raised? Was it in the city? Was it in the small town? So, however, I do believe that we will 
receive help easier than the the 80 plus year olds have and, and hopefully we can ha- help have those conversations so easier yes I think we've come to the end. This has been a great discussion about having the conversation with your loved ones about when to get help and what kind of help they want to have. I thank you for your time, Elizabeth. Thank you, Deborah. It was a pleasure. I'm here anytime. Just let me know when we can chat again. Great. And that's it for today's episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 